the babe, the son of Mary. It's December. Finally, let's get, let's get this year over with. You know, in Thessalonians, uh, uh, the, the, as our series on that, one of, the, one of the big questions of the Thessalonians was that there were believers that had died before Jesus came back. And, and they were questioning, they, their understanding was that, well, Jesus was going to be coming back before, before any of them died. 2,000 years ago, and so many have believers have since that time died and gone to be with the Lord, and so this is this is kind of a actually Advent in a in a traditional way would be the four Sundays before Christmas. Um, we're down to three, so we're going to be starting an Advent series, but we'd like to focus on. Not only Jesus coming, being born as a baby in a manger, living this earth, but of his coming again. His coming as king and lord and judge. You know, as we look back at 2020, I hope we've uh, all had our eyes open to some things. You know, one of them that I have, I was, I was, that probably maybe surprised me the most of this whole COVID thing was how unprepared we were. I mean, it was just a matter of weeks, and our healthcare workers were out of masks and gloves and protective equipment, face shields. Limited, you know, nurses working in the, the hospitals, limited to one mask per day. Our supply chain uh, came to disruption, not prepared. Look at the toilet paper situation. Unprepared. Why were we unprepared? Was this something... That had never happened before? Obviously not. Obviously, this was history would tell us this was coming. We didn't know when, but it was coming. So why weren't we prepared? Did did we think that when we saw it coming we would have time to prepare? to supply our hospitals with the necessary needs, to make sure our food chain was robust and could handle disruptions? Or didn't we believe it was going to happen at all? 1918, we've all heard it, the Spanish flu. 57, 58, the Asian flu, 2 million died. 68 and 69... The Hong Kong flu. I remember my dad and I both were so sick. We were in bed together. That was kind of neat, but we felt so bad. uh, One million died. The history is, is full of pandemics and plagues. 
and we were unprepared. I know one person was unprepared, or one family. I won't uh, name any names, but they had a whole closet full of toilet paper for years. Right, Mom? <laughs> you know, we as baby boomers made fun of them, kind of thought it was ridiculous, but those that lived through the Depression understood what it was like to not have toilet paper. And so they had plenty. Prepared. They were prepared. If you uh, were following the uh, readings, Matt mentioned it, and it's on the email. Uh, part of it was Matthew chapter 24, verses uh, 36 through 44. I would like to start with verse 32, Matthew 24. And this is Jesus. This is known a part of the, what is known as the Olivet Discourse. That at the, right before Jesus went into Jerusalem for his final days, he had been preaching, and then the the, the disciples came to him and said, "Just explain to us some of this stuff." And so we have chapters twenty-four and twenty-five of Jesus speaking. To his disciples. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So, also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore... Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect. Let's pray. Lord, these words that you spoke to your disciples, you speak to us today. Your word is living. Your word is eternal. Your word is true. And what was true 2,000 years ago on the side of that mountain you speaking to your disciples is true today. May we hide it into our hearts. May we believe it. May we be ready. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. No one knows the day or hour. I repeat it, no one knows 
as a thief. Isn't it interesting that, that Jesus would actually compare himself to a thief? And I think the reason he does is because it is unexpected. It is when no one expects it. It is hidden. And it's a surprise. But it is true. He is coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? It says, as the days of Noah, you know, Genesis 6, 5 says, every intention of the thoughts of, of man was only evil continually. You know, we know the temptation of Eve was to, that she would be like God and know good and evil. Man's heart is, I am God of myself. I will determine truth. I will know good. I will know what's evil. We see it today. Everyone has their own truth. Everyone has their own morality. And don't tell me what mine should be. But I don't think that is the main point of comparing this to the days of Noah. Jesus is saying life was happening. People were getting married. People were sitting down and eating. People were going to their jobs. Oh, there was that crazy guy up on the mountain or up in the hill there building that boat saying that something was coming. But you know what? Life is good. Yeah, there's some pandemic once in a while or some issues, but basically life is just going on. And suddenly the door was shut and the rains came. And they weren't ready. They weren't ready. They weren't prepared. And suddenly and unexpectedly, two men are walking up a hill. Two men in a field. One taken and one left. Two women working, conversing, socializing. One's taken and one's left. Sudden. Unexpected. One was ready and one wasn't. You know, if we go back to verse 32, the lesson of the fig tree, from the fig tree learn its lessons as soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. There's a few of you in here maybe that remember May 14th, 1948. Anybody remember that? Israel becomes a nation. Israel becomes... 2,000 years, there's nothing. And instantly, overnight, Israel becomes a nation. Now, many of the, the Bible scholars that st studied prophecy knew that the fig tree often represented Israel. And so when Israel became a nation, became, because the fig tree, the sign of the fig tree was it becomes tender and puts out its leaves, it becomes an, a nation that this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. 
And so many scholars, well, a generation of the Bible was 40 years, so 88, he's going to be here. And in the 60s and 70s, we were getting ready. 1962, I remember this one, the Cuban Missile Crisis. The Soviet Union putting nuclear-tipped missiles or attempting to in Cuba just a few miles off the U.S. shore, capable of wiping out the east coast of the United States in a matter of minutes. Mutual destruction was the name of the game. Okay, let's look at this. Israel becoming a nation, 1948, a generation, 40 years, 1960s, mutual destruction. And the reality of Jesus' second coming became that it was imminent. I remember my sixth birthday. I mean, it was just like Jesus is coming back. I mean, if, it, if he doesn't come back tomorrow, he's, he's late. And we had just moved to the farm. And uh, at that time, our, the farm had an uh, international harvester 560 tractor. And I, I had a birthday coming, and I wanted a toy 560 tractor. And I knew I was getting one. <clears throat> I remember praying, Jesus, could you wait till after my birthday? I'd like to play with that tractor for one day. That's how, that's how real it was. Books being written. Bible studies being studied. Prophecy. Sermons being preached. It was eminent. It was here. We must be ready. There was a song written. Life was filled with guns and wars, and everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. Children died, the day grew cold, a piece of bread could buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind, the sun has come, and you've been left behind. A man and wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise and turns her head. He's gone. All been ready. Two men walking up a hill. One disappears and one's standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. How could you have been so blind? The father spoke. The demons dying. The sun has come, and you've been left behind. Are you ready? It's coming. Written, that song was written in 70. We're 50 years closer than we were then. Verse 44, Jesus' words, Therefore you also must 
be ready. But I think uh, uh, something happened as as these we were so this this thought of Jesus' return being imminent, and uh, the studies and and looking at Scripture, and maybe this is just my observation through the years and remembering back, but it seemed like a lot of the studies and sermons and books were the how and when. I mean, we were, the, the European Union was forming, this was the old Roman Empire, and the Soviet Union needed the minerals from the Dead Sea, so they were going to attack Israel, and, and China, Re, Re, Revelations 9.16 uh, refers to a 200 million man army, and, and Red China was starting, they had an army of hundreds of millions, and and we we spent all this time trying to dissect how and when and and rather than the why why did god why has jesus given us this, these words today so that we're ready we don't know exactly the how and when but we do know the why you know as we travel out to uh Colorado to visit Jesse and Rebecca and Benea. We're going down I-70, uh, getting into Colorado, and you kind of go over these, these hills, and all at once you crest one, and there on the horizon is the mountains. Pikes Peak and, and the front range, and then some of the tall peaks in the back range, and but what's interesting, you really can't tell which, which mountain is taller and which is closer and where the valleys and the passes are. You just see in the horizon this range of mountains. And that's somewhat like prophecy is. We, we, we see it and we know it, but it's really hard to get the individuals and to figure exactly how it is going to take place. And I think that God has a purpose in that. Because he wants us to be ready. Not knowing the exact things. And yet we can see it. Can't we see it? I mean, back in the 70s, we had no idea what the internet was. We had no idea of, of you know, that you could implant a chip under your skin and you can use it to buy and sell. We're that much closer. We're that much. Are you ready? Think about the Jews in Jesus' time. The first advent, Jesus coming to this earth as Messiah. They had studied, they knew all the scriptures, they knew all the prophecies. They, had, they knew the Passover lamb. They celebrated it. They knew the, the, the scapegoat and how they put the sins on that, that goat and sent it into the wilderness. They had seen this and read about the serpent on the brass pole, the Psalms, 
the prophets. Can you, can you imagine standing there at the foot of the cross and have Isaiah 52, probably 53 memorized, I'm sure, many of them, the Jewish, the Pharisees. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no former majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. They, they were standing there at the cross seeing what was happening, observing. And they were He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. They had been at the trial. They had seen the accusations thrown at Jesus, and he sat there silently. They weren't ready. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. They weren't ready. They missed it. How do we be ready? Ephesians chapter 2 is probably as clear as anything about how we are ready. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Brothers and sisters, friends, it's grace. It's God's grace on us. None of us deserve salvation. We're the ones that deserve death on the cross. In your heart, you know that. God's grace. Why was I born into the family I was born into that taught me about Jesus? And his sacrifice, God's grace on my life. Through faith, through faith. And this is not a passive faith. This is not, oh, I believe. No, this is a dynamic faith. This is a faith that changes your life. This is a change, a faith that, that you. There's a, used in many sermons, but in 1859, on July 15th, there's a man, Charles Blondin. He was a tightrope walker, and he strung a rope across the gorge at Niagara Falls. And he did all kinds of crazy things. Walked backwards, cooked a meal out in the middle Carried someone, his, uh, his uh, friend on his back across. And then he went across on a wheelbarrow, with a wheelbarrow, pushing a wheel. And when he got to the, the side, the story goes that he said, how many of you believe I can wheel this wheelbarrow across with a person in it? And everybody, yeah, we believe that. He said, who will get in? 
Have you gotten in? Do you have that dynamic faith that you are ready for your Savior to come back? A faith that makes us understand that we are hopelessly guilty in our sin. A faith that there's nothing that we can do to make ourselves right with a holy God. A faith that understands that Jesus took my punishment on the cross, took what I deserved. A faith that leads me to repent and take Don Stuber off the throne of my life and put Jesus there. A faith that causes me to piece by piece and step by step to surrender my life to God's plan. Because it's the gift of God, free, not cheap, on all it costs, all it costs, but free to us. Romans 8, 1, that Micah and Doug have both spoke on, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those verses in Ephesians, not a result of work so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That we should be prepared. Whether it's this afternoon or whether it's another thousand years, we are prepared. You see, Jesus goes on in this discourse, we won't cover it today, but in Matthew 24 and 25, he talks about the wise servant and the wicked servant. Prepared, and one wasn't. The five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins. Five were prepared and five weren't. Three servants given talents. Two used them to, to gain for their master, to invest in their master's kingdom, and one buried it. Two were prepared and one wasn't. And he speaks of the final judgment of the sheep and the goats. Sheep were prepared and the goats weren't. You know, oftentimes when we think of the second coming, we think of prophecy, we think of of the coming of the Lord, we think of the tribulation, we think of those left behind. But what about the ones that are prepared? This is exciting. Man, this is good stuff. You know, the same year that I wish we'd all been ready was written, Gloria Gaither wrote a song, The King is Coming. And her song 
focused on those that were ready. The marketplace is empty. There's no more traffic in the streets. All the builders' tools are silent. There's no more time to harvest wheat. Busy housewives cease their labors in the courtroom, no debate. Work on earth is all suspended as the king comes through the gate. Happy faces line the hallways. Those whose lives have been redeemed. Broken homes that he has mended. Those from prison he has freed. Little children and the aged, hand in hand, stand all aglow. Who were crippled, broken, ruined, clad in garments white as snow. I can hear the chariots rumble. I can see the marching throng. The flurry of God spells the end of sin and wrong. Regal robes are now unfolding. Heaven's grandstand all in place. Heaven's choir now assembled start to sing amazing grace. The king is coming. Praise God he's coming for me. Because I'm ready. 2 Timothy 1.12 For I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. Let's pray. Lord, we are excited to look forward to that day. And whether it is while we are alive in this flesh, are you come for us and raise us from the grave? We are ready. I pray that everyone that hears my voice is ready. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.